Welcome to If You've Come This Far. Uh, this is uh, the podcast that Sean and I do where we, uh, we entice uh, interesting, smart people to come and talk to us about life and uh, how to make it better and more meaningful. Uh, on this episode, we, we got this guy, Paul Sullivan. I talk about him sort of flippantly because he's a funny dude, great guy, um, and kind of kept us in stitches the whole time. But uh, Sean is responsible for um, for getting Paul on the show. Sean, tell us a little bit about Paul. Yeah, so uh, Paul Sullivan, you're right. He, I mean, I think we had a really great conversation when I when I did our uh, when I did a pre call with him. Um, I found out about his relationship with golf and I'm like, oh, Chris is going to be, that's all he's going to want to talk about. And we do talk a bit about that, but, um, but Paul's a former columnist, um, finance and wealth columnist for the New York times. He was there for 13 years. And then, uh, he quit to start the company of dads, which is really focused on the whole idea of what he calls a lead dad. Um, I guess you'd say he's the primary, um, caregiver for the family uh and um just it just a i think it's a very interesting concept he's all in on it and um we go in a lot of different places we talk about his time at the times we talk about how he cultivated a uh, company of dads and then um we do talk a little golf as well <laughs> how can you not talk a little bit of golf i mean the guy has some great golf stories and then of yeah. course he found out that i have a connection to fisher's island and he was he was on me about that he, was, Even, he actually followed up in an email about it again yes he did by the way yes, he <laughs> yes, did. he's he like did. if you ever need a fourth out on fisher's let me know right. yeah um you know it's funny it's just occurred to me now that um you know my my professional life is as a chief operating officer. And I feel like that sort of lead dad thing is the chief operating officer of the family. Um, and it's really hard. Uh, this takes me back to the Jordan Shapiro conversation around like uh, gender essentialism and yep. gender norm norming. Um, it's really hard not to describe the lead dad thing as what you would typically think of as what the mom does. Yeah. Or, you know, right. Yeah, um, for sure. It's, well, it's an easy I trap. And, but and again, we talk about. I think what's great about what Paul's doing is he's putting, um, you know, a spotlight on this, and 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 in that way, I think um, showing society that you know we don't have to be conditioned in a certain way. And this is another way of looking at it. And what's great about it too is in his social media presence and on his website, he's highlighting individual men, uh, lead dads, and telling their story, which I think is is really pretty cool as well. Yeah, yeah, it's it's almost like he's reverse norming some shit that we've that we've been you know conditioned to believe or think. Yeah, um, and and I love that. And, and the other great thing before we we launch in here is that um you know a lot of what um, the company of dads is that what it's called company of dads yes company of dads yeah, yeah. it's like Were you there for the conversation I was yeah. there it was a yeah. while ago though yeah. um, cut me some slack you know I'm an old man yeah. um, but but like like hit the the way that organization provides peer support, which is a lot of what men yes. living does is really in, important in all this work. So um, I thought, I thought Paul was a great conversation, a great guest. Yeah. I think our, I think our listeners are going to get informed and a kick, kick out of the uh, conversation. <laughs> For so. sure. All right. All right here, here we go. Paul. So first of all, let me just say a couple of things. It seems like you two know, like go back 30 years the way oh. I mean, have you talked before the two of you yeah, we go back at least you know three weeks you know three weeks. we're both yes. like yes. you know 
Irish Catholic kids from Massachusetts. Or something. That's okay. right. Okay. That well, right. well, I won't hold that against either one of you. Uh, but 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 back to this thing about this headcase thing, Paul. You've written about this, right? Like clutch. Well, my perf- book, my first book, was called Clutch. Why some people, yeah. you know, excel in oppression, others don't. And yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I'll, I'll give it, give it away to you guys. Uh, I mean, essentially, being clutch is the ability to do what you can do under normal circumstances, but under pressure. So if you can always hit a free throw when you're with your buddies. Your clutch, if you can then do it when it matters. If you can always yeah. make a 10 five foot putt with your buddies, you can do it, you know, when it matters. That's clutch. That girl, that woman last night, it, she had never played uh, the greatest uh, female tennis player of all time at the US Open. Yeah. And so, yeah, right. and, and now she did. And she's like, holy cow. And, and in the crowd was like, you know, what is it? The, the Seahawks, they talk about that being, you know, the extra man on the field. The, yeah. the crowd. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, they were like, you know, Serena took a sip of water and they're like, yes, that's the greatest sip of water I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And the other woman's like, I'm the number two ranked player. What are you talking about? Watch me drink water. Boo, boo. Like, what? Um, so, I mean, I, it's just, and like, it, when I want, like the last point, it was clear that Serena wasn't going to lose. She was going to win either then or she's going to win, yeah. you know, and, uh, and literally like she hit this backhand that was, Great. And under any other circumstances, the, the Estonian player would have uh, totally returned it. She's like, just fuck it. It's over. Like, you give me, yeah. you let me go home. <laughs> like, like, oh, I wonder if that, I mean, what, what was this? Did she win a straight sets or did she no. did it go to three? She beat her pretty good in the second set too, didn't she? Yeah, well, was, it was yeah. like seven six. That's right. She won the first set like seven six. The first yes. set was really close and she was yeah. tired because again, there's like a 16 year age difference. Sure. Um, Right. She she played the the woman she beat on the first night was 27 years old. Yeah. And the commentator said, oh, 27. That's the number of years Serena has been a professional yeah, tennis player. Right. And right. she like, holy. So that woman's again, uh, how, how much how awesome is that woman as a player that she's in the U.S. Open? But her entire life as a tennis player, Serena was probably her idol or at least in her. Yeah, sure. And here she is yeah. now playing her and. You know, yeah, yeah. but again, what, what the hell? Like, shit. You know, if I played a money match against Tiger Woods and he beat me, I'd be like, awesome. You know, like, who cares? Totally, like, totally. How great! Did like, you, if, wait, you did you lose, say if he beat you? No, he'd have to give me like so many strokes. Like, he'd have to <laughs> right. give me like eighteen strokes, like a stroke a hole. You know, right. but first of all, um, please tell me, Paul, that that background, that the thing that's behind you, is fake. No, it's real, man. It's real. That yeah. looks like. Uh, that looks fantastic. Got the putting green there. I, I, you got your sticks over there. There's a little map behind me that I pulled a little closer because that just looks excessive. But yeah, um, <laughs> like embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, and then like I, I tilted down because there's like a master's flag up there. This yeah. flag from this pro am I played at Pebble Beach. It just gets. Then you guys won't like me anymore. Wait, have oh, you? No, have you uh, yeah, go no, ahead. No, here. See, here's the thing you got to manage because he's gonna want. He's gonna want to talk about golf the whole hour. No, like, no, no I'm not going. Chris, we're talk about no, dad. Chris, not you, right? Yeah. yeah, I know you want to talk about dad, Chris. Chris, because <laughs> he's like, oh yeah, here's Paul's background. He's like, oh, we're gonna talk about golf the whole time. I'm like, I mean, no, we're not gonna talk can, about golf the whole time. We can do that another time, I suppose. We got to talk. A little Where bit are about you, golf. Chris? Where am I talking to? You? Uh, I am in Chicago. And, yeah, I don't, I don't even you know. I just uh, like I'm from the shitty part of Massachusetts. That's what I say, and I leave it at that. <laughs> and, I'm from the, and I'm from the other. And then, and then like when when people say like, "Oh, who actually know Massachusetts?" Like, "Oh, where'd you grow up?" I said Springfield. Like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that really is the shitty part." Yeah, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm not exaggerating. Yeah, I know. 
I used to drive up through there. Yeah. And, and she said, no, no, like the only place worse than Springfield is Holyoke. Because like, yeah, my aunt lived there. We used to hang out in Holyoke. Too. Like, oh, that's even shittier. Yeah. yeah uh, All right, so but so I just I told you okay, I was gonna do this to to uh, weave in golf and your book to say uh-huh. was Rory clutch or was Scheffler a choke? This oh, was binary. So Why don't we, we? This is a good conversation. We're, we're wasting all the best stuff. I'll tell you a Rory story. Then let's get this fucking monkey show going. All right, all right guys. All right. Uh, this is the start. We're so, we are. It we always are starts out as a monkey show. It always so, starts out this way. And then yeah. this and then can we be the, can be the we, podcast. Maybe this. Right. So uh, I don't know. A year or so ago, uh, I'm talking to Rory. Um, and we're on the Zoom, and he says to me, he says, uh, "Paul, uh, you know, I was doing some research on you. Okay, uh, I don't, weird. You're the." the greatest college of all time, but thanks. And he said, uh, <clears throat> do you really live in New Canaan, Connecticut? And I said, Rory, I, I don't lie about much in my life, but I'm certainly not going to lie and say I live in New Canaan, <laughs> Connecticut when I don't. It's not really that great. It's like, you know, I don't, you know, it's like I live in a sweet ass condo in Miami Beach. Like I would lie about that, but you don't lie about like suburban Connecticut. <laughs> And I said, I, I really do, Rory. Why, why do you say? And he said, well, my wife is from upstate New York and, you know, the summers in Florida get a little hot. And we looked at buying a house, um, you know, whatever, last year. Uh, and uh, we really like New Canaan, Connecticut. And we almost bought a house there. And I said, well, Rory, you know, I, I think it'd be a great place. I think you and your wife would be happy. Uh, if you happen to move here, Rory, uh, I, I belong to this great golf club about five minutes from my house. There's a five-year waiting list right now because of COVID. But Rory, for you, I'm going to do the best that I can. I think we can get you in about a year. <laughs> and he just starts laughing. He just starts laughing. And I'm like, I was like, no promises, Rory. I mean, but you know, I, I, I know some people. But I'll do my best. I know, I'll do I know my best, some yeah. people. <laughs> I know right. some people. Paul, I get, I get out there to play Fisher's Island uh, every so often. Oh, Wow. Yeah, that's a fun track. Are you are you secretly like part of the Dupont family, or how do you get out there? Do you row row out there and like like Navy Seal your way on shore with like the bag slung over you? From business school, I got a buddy. I got a buddy. He is a Navy guy, though. That wouldn't be unprecedented. Out there, (laughs) he's got a house out there. He he had to marry a famous family. Like you can't just not, buy a house not on famous, Fisher's Island. But not famous, but but old money. One that's been around for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you like we, that is not a place where you can just say, "Hell yeah, it's nice." I think I can go buy a house here oh, and and join it, this nice club. It just doesn't so happen. Great. It's we awesome. Were, I've the only been one. That the, the year that the um the, the what was it like five years ago when the U.S. Open was on Long Island, Shinnecock. Yeah, yeah. We were teeing off the early in the week or midweek or whatever. And Justin Thomas and Ricky Fowler yeah. flew out on a helicopter and, you know, the whole club, like, followed them around. They played right behind us. So talk about pressure, you know, like, you, you hate to have someone driving up your ass uh, on the golf course, especially when it's, like, the best players in the world, right? You, you know, you could have let them play through. You could have said, why? Well, just waved them through. You know, had them, like, sign a glove as they went. It might have been more enjoyable for everyone. I mean, we, were, we held our own. We held our own. You know, I think I shot a 67 that day. No. For real? No, oh, not wow. even close. Yeah, I don't. Do you, were you uh, on a serious note? Were you playing in the same foursome with my buddy Ren Dupont that day, or no? No. Okay, Ren was out there that day as well. He, he is that right? My buddy, who's a member there, buddy. Uh, well, they got this big thing going on this weekend where they 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 have their big charity thing going on. I was with this guy the other day, so I'm sure your buddy Ren is out there. Yeah. Um, they also have a great tournament. Uh, well, I actually won't tell you. No, we're, we're recording. So I'll just say that. I'll, I'll leave that. I'll leave it. <laughs> yeah, we'll cover that ground uh, yeah. another time. But anyway, so <clears throat> I'm going to shut up for like half an hour. No, no. 
Right. What, what, what is right. the, you like a half a minute? Are you going to do like an intro or what are we going to yeah, do Yeah, that's here? what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to make the transition so, right Am now. I talking to both of you? What is this? Like, you know, two, two on one defense. How, what are we, we doing? Ping pong. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, we, yeah. We, good thing. Good luck. So, right. <laughs> um, so yeah, let me make the transition. So, um, I, I believe I saw a Wall Street Journal article or or you were featured in New York Times uh, about company Both. dads. Yeah. Both. And yeah. and I'm like, wow, this this would be a great conversation. Uh, went to the website, checked out the site. The site's great. Um, you're I, I told I told Chris, I said, I think you're you know, you're flipping this flipping the script and putting a spotlight on on dads that are running families and what it means to be a lead dad and, and left a career at the New York times to do that. And so, um, you know, I thought it'd be great for us to have a conversation about, you know, what the company of dads is all about, what it means to be, you know, a man who is a lead dad mm-hmm. um, yeah. and a whole bunch of other things. And and we already know by the start of this conversation, it's going to go in a lot of different directions. So we look forward, Hang we on. look forward to talking with you. So, <clears throat> right. so maybe, maybe start with, What's a lead dad? Uh, lead dad is the primary parent, whether he works full-time, part-time, or devotes all the time to his children. And it's historically not a role that you know men have embraced, which is different than saying men have done it. They've done it. They just haven't embraced it. You know, Men who devote all their time to their, their kids are typically called stay-at-home dads. Um, horrible term. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a horrible term for stay-at-home moms. They, nobody mm-hmm. is staying at home. It's not passive. I, I kind of coined a term lead dad that's, you know, more active. Um, but really it's, you know, by coining that term, by making it more active, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to normalize it. I'm trying to say like, Hey, you know, we got some stats, there are 120 million dads, uh, in the country, something around, you know, 30% of them, uh, say that they're the primary parent. And, you know, there's another stat that, you know, somewhere almost close to 50% of women now out earn, their their husbands and so that's mm-hmm. shifting a dynamic but really you know lead dad is that that primary parent he's taken on a role that's traditionally uh been given to moms or, or paid caregivers and he's embracing it and he's trying to normalize it and he's saying look well, why can't i do this and why can't i still fulfill my own potential like this isn't the only thing i do this is one part of my uh personality and it's 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 you know finite kids kids at some point go off to college so mm-hmm. Well, and if if you look, I mean, it, as you say it, it's the same for a woman, right? I mean, it's that you're you you have partners; they're in a relationship, um, and having that communication about who's gonna do what, right? I mean, does sure. it come down to that? Is it? That I mean, two simple? two things there, yeah. I mean, t- you know, when I wrote the, this this piece in the in the New York Times back in October, saying I was leaving, I'd had a great run. Uh, I'm, I'm starting this community, uh, for-profit community, uh, for, for lead dads called the company dads. I got blowback. The only blowback I got was from, you know, women who said, look, I'm a stay-at-home mom. Why can't I be a lead mom? And I replied, I said, you should be like, that's not my community to start. That's your community to start. I I think a stay-at-home mom is a, you know, a horrible title. The the other part of this is, you know, some of the best, you know, one of the things we really lead with on the company of dads, we've done, you know, three dozen of these so far, our, our podcasts and some of the. Yeah, they're all interesting in, in different ways, but some of this stick out are people who have really, you know, flipped the switch, who for a mm-hmm. while, um, the, the, the woman was the, the, the lead parent. And then for whatever reason, you know, the husband became the lead parent or, or vice versa. And that's something that needs to be embraced. It's not, you know, circumstances change. People get, you know, promotions, people, some people get demotions, some people, you know, their careers go in a different way. Some people realize, you know, Hey, 
I have a child who has, you know, a particular need of some sort and, and I'm more qualified to do that thing. And, and so it is, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. There's a fluidity about it. Mm-hmm. Well, so Paul, so, so when you decided to start company of dads, what unmet need were you trying to solve for? I mean, you know, we were talking before riffing on the, the first book I, I wrote called Clutch, which is, you know, why people, some people excel in pressure and others don't. And I did the research for that book when the world was ending in our, the first time, you know, during wow. the financial crisis. And I wanted to figure out why some people failed from some very well-educated, well-trained people were failing under pressure while other people who were presumably equally uh, well-educated and trained were not. But there's also a personal component to that. When I was a kid playing a lot of golf, I could go out and shoot 75 with my friends. And then I'd enter, you know, the the most meaningless tournament and shoot 95. And so I wanted to know why did I fail under pressure? So just like that with the company of dads, I was trying to fulfill my own, you know, unmet need. You know, I had been, mm-hmm. you know, my daughters are now 5, 10 in and 13. And I had been a super involved dad from, you know, day one from, you know, 2009 when my oldest daughter was born. But in 2013, my wife started her own business. And that's when I really stepped up and I was able to do it because at the times I had a super rigid schedule. I knew when things were due, whatever it was, an article, a special section, a book, a talk, whatever. And I could plan around it, but then get to the, the pandemic 2020, uh, April, we're all inside. Uh, my wife's business has essentially gone haywire because everybody thinks she works in financial services. What's going to happen? Are we going to go back to 2008? And I was never busier uh, because, you know, shock, you know, journalists, you know, I know people hate journalists, but bad times are great for journalists. You know, you're like, holy cow, <laughs> we got a lot of shit to try to explain here. But I was still the lead dad and I was, you know, trying to manage the Zoom school. I was trying to, you know, keep the house going. And at the same time, I didn't have my normal outlets. I wasn't going into New York, into the office two days a week, uh, seeing people. I wasn't having lunch with anybody. Um, it, the, yeah, I live in Connecticut. The weather's shitty. I, I wasn't playing golf. I wasn't seeing any of my friends. I totally was isolated. I thought, this is strange. I said, So my unmet need was um, every other type of parent has a community. If, you, if you're what I call a, a go-to-work uh, parent, um, you know, Chris, you're, you're in Chicago, but all those suburban guys, they're, they're taking the train in or they were, uh, into the city. They have their community, their, their commuter buddies, their, their lunch buddies, their, their beer buddies. If you are a, again, their term, not my term, stay at home mom, you have tons of community. You have your town, you have your house of worship, you have your kid's school. If you play a sport, you have that sport. And if you're a working mom, every town and city in America tries to reach out to working moms mm-hmm. and, and keep mm-hmm. them involved. But mm-hmm. for the man who is the primary parent, who is the, the lead dad, that community didn't exist. And there are tons of great communities. What you guys are doing is great. You know, there are other communities that, that focus more on a sort of social services need, you know, you're, you're drug abuse, you're, you're divorced, all kinds of great, important things. But I wanted to create sort of a big tent community where, you know, men who were those lead dads or those primary parents could come and have the conversations with other other lead dads just like us that you can't have when you go meet your buddy who's yeah. go to work dad. It, just, it doesn't yeah. work, you know. The, yeah. We were riffing on golf before, and and I, you know, in the beginning I would joke like I couldn't imagine playing golf on a Friday because you know lead dads don't play golf on Saturday morning because they're with their kids, you know. So I couldn't imagine playing golf on a Friday afternoon. I finish up with my buddies sitting around, we're adding up our scores. I order a beer. They're looking at their phones from, you know, whatever's happening. And I look at my phone and I, I said, look up scowling. And I said, Jesus Christ, do you have any idea how hard it is to get a five-year-old into ballet in this town? Do you have any idea? <laughs> you just want to fucking do it too. 
They would look at me like, are you out of your, were you like doing gummies on the course? I, I think this is your first beer. But what, did you, is your blood sugar low? Do you not eat? You just can't have that conversation. And, and the first time, like when I started the company of dads, I had this guy, J.R. Havlin, uh, eight-time Emmy Award winner. He came up and we played golf together. And it was awesome because he's like, you know, I almost had to cancel because this happened. I was like, look, buddy, I almost had to cancel too. And we intuitively understood how it's, it, it, it's just a fundamental difference. We're still men. We're still dads. We still you yeah. know, love a lot of men things, but it's just different being a lead dad than, than a, than a go to work. Dad. So again, did you, when, when your wife um, started her business in 2013, did you have a conversation where it's was like, okay, I'm, I'm lead dad now. And you slapped it on yeah. your chest and, and I'm good to go. Or were you the lead dad even prior to that? Yeah, I know. Totally. I was like, you know, she said, like, can we do this? I said, well, it's it's even a more complicated story. I said, well, well, we have to. And of course, I'm going to you know do all I can to make this work because she had uh, very honorably gone to her then business partner and said it was October and said, look, um, you know, I'm going to start my own firm. I'm going to start my own firm at the end of the year. Uh, I think the right thing for me to do is to sort of tell you now so we can put a transition plan in place. I'll take my clients, you keep your clients, and that'd be it. And of course, he's, yeah, yeah, sure, that's fucking awesome, great. And then, of course, the next day, he's like, boom, done, locked her out, uh, over, you know, no, you know, financial services, you, you get a great salary, but you get a big bonus. That's that's the whole game. No bonus, nothing. And yeah. we kind of leveraged up, we borrowed money from our, our savings account, our broker account, and, and, and she did it. And, you know, I said, well, she said, well, how are we going to do this? I said, well, you're going to do it. And, yeah. you know, I got the kids. I got this. She said, well, what happens if it fails? I was like, I don't know. We sell our house and get a smaller house. That's what we do. Like, this is your yeah. dream and you want to do it. The, the the greater downside is not doing it. The greater downside is not doing it. And then you become embittered, you know, right. do it. Um, and, yeah, but fortunately, I'd always been like, I don't know. I just, I liked it. I like being yeah. uh, a dad. And so for me to step up and and I'm also like, <laughs> this is like, maybe it's TMI, but I'm like crazy organized. And like my calendar is like 14 different colors drives my wife. Fucking oh, I saw your calendar. Long. I saw it on I saw your like, Instagram. That post. was an edited yeah. version of it. Cause I took some yeah. of the, that was just the kid stuff on it. It's actually yeah. all different colors work, all this, you know? And so that helps that, you know, I had that sort of innate ability to help, but I also, I, I just loved it. So I didn't give a shit that guys were giving me, you know, nonsense for like, you know, Tie in ballet, you know, putting ballet slippers on and tie, <laughs> which is goofy. Why, why, why it's should you get shit for that? Like, yeah, right. yeah, makes no sense. Yeah, you can tell by the room you're sitting in that you're super organized. <clears throat> by the way, so you know the cat's out of the bag. You, you know. think those books are alphabetized? They're actually color coded by shades. I have a little Pantone now. I'm going to call it organized. That <laughs> organized is not the word. Yeah. So, Paul. Um, so you create this community for connection and peer support. Is that kind of, am, am I, am I repeating back what I just heard accurately? More or less. I mean, it's, it's, it's essentially, it's a media company and a community, and a community building company. I mean, that's it. Yeah. We, we have, you know, we have written content, we have the, the podcast, we have video content, but at, at the, the core of it, we have this community that we're building of, you know, men who are lead dads, but it's all, yeah, let me get this out there. We're focused on lead dads. We want to give them support, but I also look at it very much that if you're not a lead dad, but you want to see if you can learn something, if you want to see if you can learn something in this community, yeah. you're you're welcome. We we don't we're not you know sort of an exclusionary organization, but it's it's primarily focused on on lead dads for both providing them content that they'll appreciate, um, identify with, and then giving them the community to to have a honest conversation with somebody like them. 
One, one of the things I've been wondering about is you feature lead dads, both on the site and in your social media. How, how are you finding, how are you finding lead dads? I, yeah, I mean, all right. You know, I, I was a journalist for 25 years. The last 13 at the New York times where, you know, it's kind of like when you, I don't want to sound like a, a jerk, but when you get to the New York times, you're pretty good at finding shit, you know, like, or else you don't stay I there. I just thought you were good at writing shit. I, I, I mean, just, you don't stay there for 13 years. Yeah. If, you know, how do I find, I, you know, how did I find, you know, how did I write 608 columns? You know, you, right. you just kind of, it's how I'm wired. But I'll tell you, so the guy who, I don't know who's there, but the guy who, this week uh, was a guy named, uh, is a guy named uh, Diego Matamoros. And we were on vacation in Florida um, and uh, all sitting down like uh, on the beach at this nice little restaurant and looking out. And there was this guy and he was just awesome. And like ki kids were coming at him from all sides. And he was, he was like the incredible Hulk. And he had, and they were flipping and they were laughing and he was very animated. And I said, I got to go introduce myself. And so I literally went out uh, with a card. I said, this is, you're, you're awesome. This is great. He thought I was going to complain because it's Florida. You know, everybody <laughs> fucking complains in Florida. Uh, I said, no, I'm not complaining. What you're doing is great. Um, I'd buy a drink, but your hands are full and you'll spill it. It'd be sticky everywhere. So just take this card and put it away. And I said, I just want to talk to you. I, you know, I've started this, this media and community company called The Company Dad. I'd like to feature you as a lead dad. And he reached out. And he, somebody in, I didn't want to video him because that's also creepy. Somebody in his party had videoed him doing this because it was just so awesome. And we had this great talk and he was a, yeah. a great example of somebody. He's an attorney. He was, a, he was actually an opera singer. He started off as an opera singer, <laughs> then went back to law school, became an attorney. Um, and his wife, uh, also attorney, but they kind of flip-flopped. He had had this, this corporate job where he was go, go, go. And then she had been working as a general counsel and then got this job at this interesting solar company and so they really flipped like she's he's much more the he's the lead dad now in the past year um because he can control his schedule a bit more as a partner in law firm kind of taking it down a notch and and she has no control because she's you know but the solar company that is going great guns and so yeah. he was a you know dumb luck dumb luck i mean he's a great just dumb luck that i was aware of it and i found him but it just so happened that he also illustrates the point that this isn't something where you know, you have to declare yourself a lead dad on day one and you don't get to quit until your youngest child is 22 right. years old and gone. I mean, it's a fluid, fluid, you know, situation. Do you have a sense for how the size of your community right now? Like how, how, how well do you know them? Uh, I, I mean, at this point, you know, <laughs> dark night of the soul, man, you're starting something brand new. You can't sleep. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going to start reaching out to these people. And I do. Yeah. And I get these, these emails back or these, these guys like, man, I joined this cause it looked really cool. I never thought you'd reach out to me. That's another way I get, you know, lead dads of the week. I mean, it's, yeah. in, I know what the potential of the community is. Cause I know the demographics and I know it's in the tens of millions right now. It's in the tens of thousands, you know, I'm not one to, mm -hmm. to bullshit, but you know, I'm pretty happy that, you know, we're talking on the you know, beginning of September, it really launched the beginning of February and mm -hmm. you know, We've grown it pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious personally um, for you. I've, I've been in um, various groups over the last couple of weeks, and the women in the groups have been talking about the transition back to school, and their, their, their personal struggle with it, uh, how difficult it was, either emotionally or just the work that's involved in making that transition with the kids go back to school. I'm just curious for you and or the guys that, that are in the community, has there been a lot of talk about kids going back to school and what that transition yeah. looks like and how difficult it is or not? Yeah, but I'll say, 
I'm going to choose my words carefully. Most of the people that are in the community, the people that I know well enough, what I call like those, the evangelists, like the super, they, they chose this. This was a choice. This wasn't like a fallback plan. So like when my kids are going to school, like, again, my oldest is 13. This is how September is an awful month. And uh, June is an awful month because it's total chaos. But, you know, I mean, as a business reporter, so I think of it in terms of behavioral economics. If you frame yeah. things differently, you say, okay, I'm going to frame it this way. Uh, in X amount of weeks, it's going to reach normalcy. It'll be fine. But I don't feel, uh, I don't feel relief. I don't feel, I feel a little bit of stress, but, you know, I think that's normal. I mean, one of the things I, I did think about the other day is, you know, there's sort of transition. My daughters are going into kindergarten, uh, fifth grade, which in our town is the first day of middle school. And then I have one who's going to go back to seventh grade. And I get a little more anxious for them each year, but I don't think that mm. has to do with me being a lead dad. I think that's has me to do being their father and watching them, you know, grow up and like the youngest one going to kindergarten, like, whoa. And then the you know, middle one going to, you know, middle school and then whoa. And then the seventh grader, I mean, look, she's a 13 year old with, you know, totally nice, normal kids around her, but nice, normal, like teenagers around them. And then that's, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I don't, you know, wake up and say, man, I wish I could go back to middle school. That would be awesome. <laughs> I I liked middle school, but yeah, I, what? I was actually thinking about that the other day. I have I never school. heard anybody. I love school. I love school. I love school, but man, I was pretty happy when I got to high school. I was like, holy cow. Yeah. I, I got to admit, I like middle school too. Maybe what is that's wrong with you? Together, Sean? <laughs> Maybe that's why you two are wearing hats and I'm not. I don't even know what this means. Yeah. Where's a hat on Look, a so what did So what didn't you, what, what didn't you like about middle school? I grew up, it gets even worse. I grew up in Ludlow, Massachusetts, exit seven off the Mass Pike. Uh, to quote, you know, the New Yorker writer, Tad friend. For me, middle school was the Mariana Trench of human shittiness. <laughs> I mean, my parents got divorced. Wow. I lived in a, uh, you know, I didn't have a great house to begin with. Then after I got divorced, I lived in an even shittier house. Literally, like somebody asked me the other day, like, uh, we're talking to somebody and she was doing kung fu for exercise. And she they said, uh, did you ever do martial arts? And I said, I did. And I said, like, oh, what did you do? And I said, well, I did uh, Kempo Karate um, from uh, fifth grade into ninth grade. And she's, Oh, why would, why'd you do that for us? Cause I lived in a really <laughs> shitty neighborhood and I used to get in fights. I was like, no, I don't believe that. Look at you. You look like you play golf all the time. I was like, I do now. I was like, well, why did you stop in ninth grade? I said, cause I got a scholarship to go to a prep school and I didn't have to fight anymore. Like we wore like little blue blazers. Like, so no, that's my, my memory of middle school is it's like when my kids wanted to take the bus. I'm like, you know, I can just drive you. It's like five minutes away. Like, no, we want to take the bus. Like, I have nothing but bad memories on the bus. I'm like, just, you know, gum spitballs getting beaten up. I'm like, you so, Paul, so did you, you let him take the bus? <laughs> yeah. They wanted to, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. So, and it's been have, fine. I think kids yeah. are, kids are nice. Kids generally are, you know, I don't know. They're, they're more aware. Their parents are more aware or, you know, or at least in the town where we live, they just wouldn't get away with that shittiness. So, <laughs> Did you have siblings? No, I was all in it all by myself. I had the only child had a goldfish. He committed suicide. So literally <laughs> jumped out of the I'm not making that up. I'm not me. He jumped out That's of the a tank. bullshit story. It's not a bullshit story. <laughs> I, I literally I didn't know where the, the fucking fish went and I looked around and there he was like on the carpet behind him. Like I it's gotta get are better. you are you still working through that with your therapist? No, we worked through that. We worked through that. Oh, you did. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. Good. 
but it's um, good because that was like the nadir so like at that point i'm like ah, it's got to get better you know yeah. <laughs> you know? well I'm, i mean i asked about the siblings and i'm curious about like your own upbringing uh irrespective of of how shitty your middle school experience was um but is there something about your parents that like equipped you to to be this lead dad um because my- for the for the record I could not be a lead dad. I don't have the patience. I don't have the attention to detail. I don't have the organizational skills, et cetera. Um, please go explain this. My well, can um, I before Paul yeah. answers? Can I? Can I well, you do have attention to detail. You 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 do focus on order and discipline and all that structure. So I'm I'm interested. Is it is it that or is it you just don't want to be a lead dad? Because I well, know I, that about you. You have I, all that. I don't want you know. I don't want Paul to have to become my therapist here. But like it, uh, another illustration of this is like I worked in equity research for a while, but I can't stand to deal with my own finances. Hmm. Right? I know you wrote for uh, the wealth column. Yeah, uh, in your I mean that, that's like the cobbler's kids have no shoes. So anyway, this is not about me. This is about Paul because Paul is the lead dad of the lead dads. Um, the so, leadiest, the leadiest, the leadiest of all the dads. Yeah. Way to duck, way to duck the question. But I, <laughs> all right, all Paul, right. To answer, like, does Paul even know what question he's answering? Yeah, I, no, I, I'll just answer what I Sorry. want uh, at this point. Yeah. Uh, no, to answer the question before the question before that question, uh, I was super close to my maternal uh, grandfather. I call him Papa, and uh, he would, you know, come meet me after school. You know, took the bus home. You know, kind of latchkey kid, and he was the one who got me to golf as a kid and just, I just loved uh-huh. it. And we just did a ton of stuff together and we had this amazing, you know, relationship. So I, I, I mean, largely I would credit that, you know, what's the other part of my late discipline and all this and jokes aside, like, you know, when my parents got divorced, we were like dead broke. And so I was like myopically focused on how do I get out of this? Like, how do I get uh-huh. out of this situation? And so, you know, that, kind of i don't know this is where the psychologist comes in but you gave me drive and gave me organization but really when i think of a model it was my you know maternal grandfather and you know he just gave me a lot of time like he was a, he was a, a retired postman to put this in context so it's not like he was you know showing up in a cadillac and, and taking me someplace fancy i mean literally right. he, he was a retired postman he played golf at a, a municipal course but what he gave me in abundance was you know time and and that's what as a kid i just i just soaked it up and that's what i try to you know try to do my own kids this episode of if you've come this far is brought to you by half acre beer company makers of daisy cutter pale ale and many other fine ales and lagers visit them at their brewery located at 2050 west balmoral avenue in chicago's beautiful bowmanville neighborhood well, that, and and that's and that's interesting because I I can see how the tendency and and I think we were even guilty of this is is to when you talk about a lead dad and what a lead dad does and what that job looks like the tendency is to go towards the logistics and the coordination and getting mm-hmm. into the ballet class or whatever but there's that emotional huge huge social emotional component of like what your granddad did for you. Um, I mean, I can imagine. I, I I could satisfy those those, you know, job description uh, parameters. But but like, there is also this thing called like like gender. Uh, what, what did Jordan Shapiro talk about? Um, essentialism. Like gender essentialism. 
right? Where it's like we're put into a bucket as someone who was born with a penis and um, and, and maybe that's not what you're best suited to do. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know that I've not heard that term before, uh, but I would push back. Look, I like my girls were born. I thought I'm not going to, you know, just have them be, you know, play with Barbies all the time. And the first time I took them into a toy store, you know, every toy store in America is divided the boy stuff and the mm-hmm. girl stuff and yeah. then the really expensive Legos. Uh, and and they gravitated toward it. And so I was like, okay, this is what it is. But I, I you know, I kind of push back. Like the hardest part of being a lead dad is sort of accepting yourself because you can deal with the logistics. You can push through, you know, the nonsense with the moms and the dads who give you shit. But, you know, you got to be comfortable in your own skin because the fucking dentist isn't going to call you. It's going to take right. you 20 times before the fucking dumbass dentist calls you and not your wife. And you're like, oh, and somebody asked me a question. I'm like, do you know your dentist name? I'm like, I fuck yeah, I do. Cause she's my nemesis. Like all I'm trying to do is get my kids <laughs> teeth cleaned. Like, are you like, and, and it's, you know, the same thing with, with the doctor, same thing with the school, but it's really like being secure in yourself and saying, okay, this is what I'm going to do. But it's also, it's not about, you know, people have different roles in life. And as I say, like, you know, you brought it up. So, you know, I'm not picking on you because I don't know your background, but like the world's worst equity research analyst is going to make more money than the world's greatest kindergarten teacher. That's nothing to do with the person. That's just choice of occupation. And Mm -hmm. so if I was able to sort of fulfill my potential, which was my dream was always write for the New York Times. So write for the New York Times, write books, give talks, and still be the lead dad. That was a win. You know, my mm-hmm. wife had her own firm, and my wife doesn't like the logistics. You know, so like it's kind of reverse. Yeah. Like she hates the calendar. She hate. You know, she could tell you if she knew you, Chris. She could tell you uh, your salary history, your best years, your worst years. She could tell you, you know, who what desk, who was on the desk, all this stuff going back twenty years. But I shouldn't know where her keys are. You know, and and so her mind just works different than than my mind. And it's to me, like as a father of three daughters, it's like, okay, what is your full potential? What are you best suited to do? And let's make that that choice. If one of my daughters turns out, you know, to 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 you know, I don't know, not be a pediatric surgeon or something like that, and and instead the has a more flexible job and is a lead mom, awesome. As long as that that's her choice. I mean, that was the whole thing in my second book, The Thing Green Line how we make money decisions. You don't tell somebody you're on a budget. This is all you can spend that fails. It's like going on a diet and say, I'm only going to eat kale and bacon for the rest of my life. It's fine for the first couple of weeks. And you're like, I don't ever want to have kale again. You never would not want to have bacon. You have to have choice. And that's how the, that whole book was about in life, making financial decisions. If you do one thing, then maybe you can't do the other thing. So the men in my community, at least so far, who, who've been able to choose being a lead dad, and I really encourage them, I really encourage them to think this through as, as a choice, not as a, not as a privilege, not as a burden, mm-hmm. just as a choice. Like just as, you know, sometimes I go and get coffee at the coffee shop as opposed to making it. That's a choice. That's what this is about and embracing it. And it's, and it's okay. You made this choice and this in your lead dad for now. The, uh, uh, the follow-up question to the one about the emotional intelligence. I'm curious about with your three daughters, um, you're the lead dad. I, I'm going to gather you spend more time with them than your wife, the emotional issues of them growing up, reaching puberty, the emotions, how, I mean, how, them going through struggles, how, yeah. do, how does the communication go between you and your wife as it relates to 
I, the girls. Well, we have a very open line of communication, but I also let me like not overstate the lead dad doesn't mean you're doing a hundred percent of everything and you're sure. And, and, and there are, there are some guys in the community are there, are there divorced dads who are by default, you know, lead dad 50% of the time. There are some you know, divorced dads who have sole custody of their kids. They're, they're lead dad close to 90% of the time. But mm-hmm. in, in my sort of, you know, more traditional heterosexual you know marriage, it, it you know, I am very grateful uh, for my wife's input on so many things, particularly mm-hmm. having, uh, a teenager. Could I have these conversations if there was no other choice? Of course I could have these conversations if there was no choice. But it's nice to have, you know, two opinions as it is with, with anything. Like, sure. you know, we have very different parenting styles. Um, but on core issues, we are in agreement. And, you know, on core issues where, as any child would do, they try to play parents off against each other, we're we're in agreement. I think that's the most important thing. But there's certainly some things that my older daughter um feels more comfortable talking to my wife about sure. but I, I will say this and i don't know if to my credit or it's just she doesn't know any differently she just calls things what they are and she just mm-hmm. very like this is what's happening to me right now daddy and this is, this is how i feel it's like great and there's none of that kind of dance so that part you know i'm happy that we've established that yeah so so you guys opened the door so this is a golf story too so i moved to this town i don't know how you like dental care dental hygiene <laughs> you'll find out to golf. you'll find really out good. Second. Really uh, good. this is gonna be awesome but one. okay so i've been in this town for 17 years and we're moving in and i know a guy here he's like hey we're gonna go play golf and i got two other guys we're gonna bring with us i'm like great so i'm 17 uh and um i'm like okay i'm gonna get over that tree well i didn't get over the tree hit the tree and guy on the other side in our foursome on the other side of the fairway goes down. The ball hits him in the top of the head, ricochets on the tree, hits him in the top of the head, he goes down. He's a dentist in town. So I go, so I go to his office the next day with a plant, and I'm like, okay, me and my family, we're your patients for the it's so for as long as we have teeth, we're your patients. And his name is TJ Hill. He's been my dentist forever, and he's a wonderful. Wonderful man, I love my dentist. Well, just to way. be just to be clear here, I I'm a precise guy. New York Times journalist for 13 years. Yeah. I don't hate my dentist. I actually like my dentist. My kids' dentist, the pediatric dentist, is my nemesis. So that's we just need to say okay. that clearly. Yeah, yeah, we got to set the record straight on that. Um, so I don't want anyone to walk away with the wrong impression. Um, so this 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 going back a little bit, I just want to because I was going to ask you this question, Paul, like. Look, there are people that are going to end up being lead dad because of the circumstances of their of their family or their, you know, whatever. It could be a single dad or whatever, you know. And then there are those guys that kind of like you, like you could you probably could have outsourced some of the stuff. You probably could have gone like the nanny route or the au pair route or whatever, but you chose this, right? Like, like, and so I guess my question is of your membership like what's the breakdown is are, are do you find that there's an increasing number of dads who are like i want to i want to play this role it's like you know, my vocation or whatever it's a timely question and i thought kind of early days it was largely um men whose wives earned you know had good incomes you know and and that was and i thought okay you know i don't want this to be the lead dads for for the 1% and then you know, those were the early guys who came. Maybe they were New York Times readers, saw the piece. I, I I don't, you know, it's all supposition. But as the community has grown, it's it's not that. It's, you know, people who've chosen, um, you, you know, to sort of divide things up 
um, differently. And, you know, one of my, uh, did an early podcast with my childhood best friend um, who lives in Texas and, you know, his wife is, uh, you know, an emergency room nurse and, and he works at the Home Depot and he's the lead dad and he loves it. He loves, he's able to sort of, they both have control over their schedules, but, but he does it, but it's not like, um, you know, he's still working full time. She's working, you know, full time and, you know, they, they make it work. So, you know, again, early days, I thought there was going to be this huge imbalance, but I think, you know, a lot of the guys, at least again, this is self-selecting. These are the guys who decide, you know, I'm, I'm not, there's no draft. I don't go out and say, you have to become a member here. The people who have self-selected into my community, into the company of dads, um, have, have elected to do this. And, you know, that's, but that said, you know, it is not without its, you know, challenges. I mean, again, to go back to what I said, oh, you have to be really secure in yourself or you have to, you know, I, I reached out to some guy who's really struggling in the community, um, like really badly. And I was like, here's my number, call me because, and he hasn't, unfortunately, um, call me because like what you're going through is really painful, but is not, you know, abnormal. And it was essentially, you know, the, the, because there is, as you said, you know, whatever you talked about, born with a penis, make money, whatever, but I forget the, you know, the gender term, but it's like, there is this link in society between masculinity and money. And however great the idea seems in the beginning to be the lead dad, you may be fulfilling your own potential, but let's be honest, chances are you're, you're earning less. Chances are because you have flexibility, maybe you're not going to go to the tippity top of your profession, but you're still being fulfilled. But how do you get past, you know, that, that voice in your head? You're like, all right, I know this is good. I know this is great for my wife. I know this is great for my kids. I'm enjoying my life, but aren't I supposed to be, you know, sure. that the breadwinner, which that term is most fun. I mean, well, but no, it's like, you know, but to get past that, we did a great podcast with Brad Klontz who talks about, you know, how do you get past it? And so much of it is, is naming things. You name things, you discuss it. You say, okay, this is, you know, yeah. Are you having a challenge with this? You, me too. You know, and that's, right. but that's what any community does. Any community does it. You bring pe together people who have, you know, shared highs and can commiserate and help on those, those shared lows. Yeah. And I want, I just want to put an exclamation point on that, that if there are guys that are listening that are struggling um, with this role, uh, one that maybe they didn't want that they could reach out to you and your organization 100%. for, for 100%. support. Yep. Um, com. hundred percent, you know, yeah. Yeah. And we'll have we'll have all your contact information in the, <clears throat> yeah. in the notes as well. But I just I also want to say there was an article in the journal today about women are getting to corner offices faster than men. Um, and that's data that um, Wharton put it out uh, since 2001. And so they're they're not getting to the top three roles as fast as they ultimately will. But as far as, you know, the executive ranks, they're excelling faster than men are. Um, yeah. And so this is going to, I mean, a fine time to, I think, to be launching this business. Yeah. Look, I, I, I wouldn't have been able to do this in 2019. This is yeah. something that, you know, I think we all had a chance to to reset and think, and obviously these women who are getting the C-suite now, they, they've been working toward this long before sure. COVID, but sure, it, it sure. allowed us to sort of, those of us who could work at home start to think differently about this and say, okay, what does this really mean? And you look, there's all these statistics, you know, I haven't read that piece yet, but you know, 52, 53% of business school graduates are women. But then as you yep. look, as they go on, it, it 
the senior roles dwindled somewhere around like 18, 18% or so. And, and why is that? And so, but when I was, you know, you had asked this question earlier, Chris, when I was trying to, you know, put together and, and really test the idea for the company of Dad's, like, is this a good enough idea for me to leave my perfectly great career at the New York Times and upend my life? Is it worth, I said, who am I going to ask? And my focus group was not men because I thought men are not going to tell me the truth until I have this thing out there in the open. They're going to be reticent about, you know, embracing this, the jokes, it's the Mr. Mom, all that shit. Um, I'm going to reach out to senior female executives and I'm going to ask those senior female executives, how did you do it? And I had this hypothesis, you know, a few of them made a shit ton of money and they could outsource it, but that's not, you know, you can't outsource everything and not that many people make a shit ton of money. A few of them had, uh, you know, grandparents who were young enough and willing enough to come and help. That happens. Again, you know, I don't know, some bigger percentage than the shit ton of money percentage, but still not huge. And I, I had this, yeah, but I said most of them had a spouse who either had a more flexible schedule or a, a more rigid schedule. And that's exactly what I found. And it was this woman who's very senior in marketing who who really kind of put me over the the, the line to start the company of dad. She said, This isn't, you know, a book. This is a, you know, a media company and a community platform. And I want to sign my husband up because I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if I didn't have him as as a lead dad and you know certain industries in particular um it's huge like you know law firms if, if there's a woman who's a senior partner you know i've heard stories of these meetings where they go around the table and every single one of them has if they're married and if they have kids they have a spouse who is that that lead dad paul uh, there's there's um uh, how do i say this i mean clearly you started this thing with there's some component of it is a social mission, right? Like mm -hmm. you, you, you didn't think this is the best way for me to generate wealth <laughs> probably. Right. Um, and, and so did it, <laughs> I, I guess my question is simple. Did, did you ever consider even for a second making this a nonprofit? No. Um, because I, uh, not, not for one second and this is nothing is nonprofits. Um, but I wrote a lot about nonprofits. I knew the world of philanthropy, um, really well from, you know, my years at the Times and my years at the Financial Times before that. And choose my words carefully. Uh, I think certain things need to be a nonprofit because um, they are problems that are going to be difficult to resolve and you need to, in the nonprofit sector can help, you know, guide you through and, and, and raise funding. But I knew from, you know, executive directors of nonprofits, you spend so much of your time trying to raise money unless you can get some, a recurring grant from a giant, you know, foundation, a Gates, a Rockefeller, or something like that. That's really tough. I wanted it always to be, you know, for profit because that's, you know, motivating for me, one, but two, I want us to be able to, you know, hit people at all the different levels of of where they are. You know, our events now are 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 totally online. We have a, an event planned for the spring in person, but I have these visions of having, you know, much larger events that can be, you know, sponsored and really bring people uh together. Um, but when you think about it, I knew from my days at the times that not that I mean, philanthropy is never going to go away. We're the most philanthropic country in the world. The United States is like, you know, tax code aside, we're just wired to be very charitable. Um, yeah. But younger people, people who are in their 20s and 30s who are, are going to, you know, opt in to be, you know, lead dads or lead moms on their own. This is a group that wants to do, you know, ESG investing, you know, environmental, social, and governance investing. They want to do social impact investing. And so we're going to go out and try to raise money next year. And the company of dads, that's my one of my target audiences because there is a component to this. I want people to get a return when they invest in the company of dads. And 
there is going to be a financial return, but there's also going to be this, this social impact return. Because at the end of the day, my goal is to make the world just a little bit better. And, you know, I always, I have trouble being serious for too long. And I remember being in college when um, Snapple, their goal, Snapple, the ASD company was to be number three. Like they knew they couldn't be Coke. They, <laughs> they couldn't be Pepsi. They wanted to be number three. And so I want to make the world just a little bit better. And if I can make it so that men can embrace this role, um, women don't have the second shift when they come back from um, very demanding jobs. Couples can have more open conversations and children are going to see that, you know, they don't have to be, you know, jammed into some sort of gender box from, you know, teenage years on. And so to me, um, if I can grow this into a large enough media company and a large enough community company, you know, will I generate wealth? Hopefully, but I think there's a there's also a huge social impact component to it that will um, be rewarding yeah. to me as much as any any financial reward would be. Yeah, it's yeah. It, one one of the one of the takeaways that's constantly in my head when we talk about this is I see um, the level of communication that you foster in in this discussion between um, parents and children, between um, uh, partners. And just okay, how are we going to do life? I mean, that, I mean, that's kind of to a certain extent what it comes down to, because because what you're doing is you're putting the spotlight on something that is not traditional, right? It's right. it's the non-traditional approach, and so it fosters in the good in the good environments. It fosters communication, right? Yeah, and look, if if I'm um, the other component is is you know the the sort of. HR departments at, at companies or some of the companies that have like chief wellness officers now, or, you know, yeah. people are, the, there's a huge corporate component to this where, yeah. you know, there's a seminar component that we haven't talked about, no reason to talk about, but there's a seminar component, a company of dads and a train the trainer component. Like how do you as a manager, an emerging manager, have this conversation about life mm-hmm. with your direct reports? And how do you direct report, have that conversation with your manager about this? And I joke, like right. if I didn't put hashtag, you know, at work life balance, you know, a lot of the stuff I write would get missed, but I hate that term. Like if I could yeah. I, do, do I want lead term right. lead dad to become a, 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 a popular term? hundred percent, but I would like it instead of people referring to his work-life balance, we just call it life. And yeah. when you have a life, yeah. you divide it up in different ways. Sometimes you play golf with your buddies. Sometimes you take mm-hmm. your daughter to ballet. Sometimes if you're lucky enough, you have a nice dinner, you know, with your wife. Sometimes you get more than like six hours of sleep, but that's just how you divide up life. And I want us, I'm really almost evangelical about this. I really want us to think in those terms so that we've learned something from this mm-hmm. pandemic, this 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 sort of pause that nobody ever would have imagined we would have gotten. So we can come out of this and say, okay, let's think different. We don't have to do this. We can do this a different way and it'll be better for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the other things we talked about in our first conversation is I think, again, as you were crafting the, the model, uh, crafting the business, you talked about an engagement with the random golf club, the guy from random golf club, right? I, I, I ended up going and following them now. And That's so, right. uh, yeah. Um, and I don't know, and I had never heard of them, but maybe you could tell our listeners that story as well. So, yeah. So uh, the random golf club is a community of golfers that was started by uh, two men, uh, uh, Eric Anders Lang and Evan Roosevelt. Um, and the idea behind it was they realized that, uh, you know, 80% of um, golfers are never going to play at a private club. Uh, 80% of golfers love the game, but they love it in a different way. And and they want to feel comfortable playing. They don't want to be made fun of because they, you know, have a t-shirt or, shirt or whatever. And he identified this community that existed and was robust, but wasn't being 
serviced. Mm-hmm. And I thought, and, and I met Eric uh, in 2019 um, at, of all places, Pebble Beach, uh, which is, you know, the, the <laughs> least inclusive, you know, apologies, Pebble Beach, but not yeah. like super inclusive place to be. And and he was there filming this funny uh, bit where he was trying to break 90 ahead of the US Open um, from the back tees. And I was there as my role, you know, at, at the New York Times. I, in addition to being a business columnist, I, I weaseled my way into being the seven string golf writer for the New York Times for several years. And that's where I got to know him. And I said, man, this guy's onto something. And then I, I started following him and we stayed in touch. And he was just super generous with his time. And in uh, December of 2021, a couple months after I left the Times, I went down to Austin, Texas and spent some time with him. And he, you know, um, uh, sort of help reveal the the special sauce as to how he really created this community, and it's it's a it's a it's a beautiful thing. I mean, he's yeah. really getting people involved, and and then through circumstance, you know, just some of the people who who had worked with him, including Evan Roosevelt, um, you know, companies change. Evan has come on, and and he's really helping me. So I, I really benefited from having Evan essentially take that playbook with golf, a golf community, and. It, transposing it to a, a a lead dad community it's 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 more similar than than it is different yeah because they're very much a media company right i uh-huh. mean yeah they sell a lot of you know they sell a lot of cool stuff too i don't know they do sell a lot of cool I, i'm i'm a big bucket hat guy they got some nice bucket hat <laughs> yeah that's well, the truth i mean i just they do which part they have night i'm a big bucket guy you're bucket a big hat bucket guy. hat guy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, the um, thing is, baseball hats hurt my head. I don't know what it is about my head, but I get a headache. You're so, I, I've never you're talked so much. Of, I've never talked so much about headwear on a podcast. But okay, well, I'm just going to roll with it. So listen, I've, we've got three canned questions to ask you at the end. But before, oh. back to this thing. Like, who did your logo? It's a great logo. It is a good logo. I was going to say the same the, thing. The, yeah. the co- company does. The first firm I hired, they they put it together. There's another version of it. This is so. What this is, you know, for people who can't see, is essentially. It's a Zoom dad. It's, you know, the guy has his arms crossed. He is uh, wearing a sport coat and a button-down shirt on top. And then below, he's wearing uh, shorts and, you know, Merrells because he's going to yeah. take that off and go out. And we did some early content in which I posed as Zoom dad. And, you know, when you have a 13-year-old daughter, the quickest way to mortify her <laughs> is to have, like, Hawaiian shorts on and, you know, Merrells. And she looks at me like, where are you going, dad? Like, what are you doing? Um, so this is the, there's this logo here, and there's a couple other versions of it with with a little girl in it, uh, a little boy in it, the full company of dads. So Dude, all of which can be purchased at thecompanyofdads.com. Yeah, there check it out. Uh, and just on that point, do the do yeah. the girls like being in your videos? Do they like participating they in in the media? You know, yeah. it's funny they do, and and I was very cautious with my oldest daughter because you know again, you know, tween now, teenager, and uh, my ten year old is complete ham. She's like. I'll put me yeah. on there. And then the yeah. five-year-old doesn't, you know, she's five. So she's cute. So she's in it whether she wants to or not, but she, she likes, but the, the, the older ones will say, Hey dad, this is a great company of dads video. You should do this as a company of dads video. Yeah, nice. And we had one probably, it's not, it's not our biggest success, but it was one that was, I don't know, 20,000 views or something on Instagram. And literally my wife had this idea. Um, she had done a corporate offsite in which they rented a boat. Um, and she said, you know, we had a lot of fun. How about we rent rent the boat? And, and this isn't like rent a boat they drive. You rent a boat and the the it's a guy's boat and he takes you around. It's like, okay, that sounds fun. Why not? You know, okay, we we'll rent a boat. And we rent a boat. And I'm taking all this video of us just having fun. And he's got a tube, he's pulling a tube behind me, all this. And I'm just videoing, and you you all of a sudden you hear clunk, 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 clunk. And my middle daughter say, 
what's that? And the boat died. Literally, we died, you know. And, we're like, and you gotta, you know, you call Sito, Sito has to come, they have to hook up, they have to take you in. And it turned out to be, you know, who would have who would have imagined this as a as a piece of content? But they loved it. And, they, and at one point they're like, Dad, you video more. This is this could come to dad stuff. And I was like, turns out they were right. It is. They know, don't they? They know. They know. All right, Sean, are you have any other questions for Paul before I spring these well, three questions? Well, I talk to Paul forever, but, you know. I know, I know. Yeah, but. But you know what? We'll have plenty of chance to talk about other stuff when he invites us to the first annual company of dad's golf outing. Yeah, which we, yeah. Well, we have to be lead dads. You, you already yeah. said you don't have any interest in being one. So he and I I'm will a have a part-time time. lead dad. I'm not a full-time yeah. lead dad. That's the yeah. difference. Well, hey, all are welcome, man. You may come, you like it, you know. I think, like, hey, maybe I'm more of a lead dad than I think. You know, one of the courses we're working on is we call lead dad boot camp. Um, and just, you know, as I say, like not everybody can be a lead dad, but if you're the dad doing, you know, five or ten percent, if you can yeah. get ratchet that up to like 35, 40%. That's a huge difference in the happiness in your marriage, a huge difference in your home. So we're totally. all for lead dad bootcamp. Totally. Even if you're just having to fill the gaps, it's good to have those lead dad skills. All right. So I got to ask a real quick question because I, I know some people that if I didn't ask the question, they would be like, uh, okay, why didn't? So yeah. this issue of Todd, emotional Todd labor, Adams, right? Yeah. You know, this Adams, issue of yeah. emotional labor, right? You've heard that term before. Mm -hmm. Does that shift? Does the lead dad now hold the emotional labor? Because I'll just leave it there. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, sometimes called the mental load. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Um, and I, you know, one hack is I literally write everything down. Literally, it's it's like you know, um, in Ted Lasso, they they talk about you know uh, the happiest animal in the world is a goldfish who can't remember anything past you know 10, 10 seconds, and mm -hmm. that's kind of how I feel sometimes as a lead dad, like. My wife should be like, you know, I don't know, uh, I'm making this up, but, uh, you know, a child needs to be airlifted to Yale having broken her arms. Like, okay, child airlift Yale, uh, broken arm. Okay. So what are you writing that down for? You can't remember? It's like, no, I don't remember anything. I'm a goldfish. Yeah. Literally, I remember. And that's like, you know, helped me tremendously. And I've did this long before starting the company. Has helped me tremendously to sort of keep my sanity and say, okay, here's my list. And then I'll go through the list when I have time to but mental load is yeah 100 eve rodsky yes. talks a lot about this yeah the ability yes. for one person i have a ton of respect a lot of admiration i know eve rodsky well um what she's done is like but what has she done she has named it in her book fair mm -hmm. play it's naming mm -hmm. this problem once you name something you're like huh I mean, that does make sense huh? mm -hmm. i guess that isn't fair or, huh? you know it's like my 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 sort of arch rival or my pediatric dentist here like like I'm trying to name this. I'm trying to name and shame. It's like, you know, Dr. Anna, call me. You know, but the same thing is like when you name it, like, okay, this is the mental load. Is that fair? Why why are we doing it this way? We don't yeah. need to do this way. Um, and again, we're not going to change everybody, but if we can make the world just a little bit better, then then we've had some success. I, I would like to I'd love to hear Ted Lasso explain the recent uptick in goldfish suicide rates because <laughs> that's problematic. <laughs> um okay so here we go you live Three in chicago points. you live in chicago yeah. where they dye the river green for uh saint patrick's day i think maybe the the green dye is all the gold chris you know paul went to ufc so i went to he's, yeah yeah he I, yeah. spent some time yeah he spent some time uh, i did my time on the south side yeah, yeah at the yeah. university of chicago yeah. i have no, not done that time i almost went there uh it was different back then i think i'm a little older than you paul but um but great school. I've got a lot of friends who are dropping kids off there uh, in the next few weeks. So, so because there's a possibility of this, have, have you ever met J James Lipton before, Paul? No. Okay. Okay. Good. 
<laughs> okay, but you remember James Lipton's of show course. Inside the Actors? Okay, uh, yeah. so that, that's what this exercise is akin to. I don't think these, I don't think we're lifting any questions that he ever used. Oh my but God, okay. Here, no, I, here we go. And I only ask because now, because we just did Michael Clinton, and we just posted him the other day, and uh, he said, oh, James Lipton's been to my house. And we were like, well, what? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, okay, here we go. Paul, you ready? Uh, what do you wish you could have told your 10-year-old self? It's going to be okay. Keep your head down. You know, my, my advisor at the University of Chicago used to tell me, keep punching, Mr. Sullivan. And I have that on the inside of my sort of golf yardage book. So if I can tell my 10-year-old self, you know, keep punching, it's going to be okay. Nice. I love that. Uh, do you, uh, you might have answered the second question uh, inadvertently. Uh, do you have a mantra in life or a mantra these days? You know, um, I have a mantra that my wife can't stand. So, uh, you know, uh, but it, it doesn't apply to everything. It doesn't apply to She's never going to listen to this. <laughs> She's not going to get this far. I mean, literally, like, just, just don't clip this. Just don't clip this shit and try to promote it, all right? She'll, she'll be but, telling your daughter that this podcast is where fun goes to die. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's that keep punching mentality because it's like, you know, nobody likes a quitter. Um, and, you know, uh, it's not really nuanced and i and i understand something you got to get out of stuff and you do have to quit stuff and you know you're in a dark tunnel you, you can turn around and go out but like for me personally i'm like okay head down i'm gonna figure this out uh and if i don't figure it out if i fail well i won't ever look back and say well he kind of slacked off and he didn't do this like i put all my energy into it and i'm trying it and obviously i believe in it but in life and everything you know and, and the other thing this is actually something i learned at, at chicago um ironically i didn't learn very much at the university of chicago don't tell them that but maybe they'll stop calling me for a donation which i'm never gonna make um it's like and i realized like i try not to make the same mistake twice and i remember like being there and i'd see these these, these other students and and i said i called it like they walk naked into the pricker bush again and again like if i walk naked into the pricker bush once i say fuck that hurt i'm not going to do that again and so that's something i've always like throughout my life since you know that was 30 years ago, almost, you know, it's like, okay, if I make a mistake, make it once and, and move on and then, you know, persevere. Uh, awesome. Um, and all these questions are sort of related, but different. The last question is where it goes the darkest. Like, what do you hope people will say about you at your wake? You know, he's funnier than I thought he was. <laughs> Bravo. And then, and, and that actually came from a talk. Uh, we'd had all these New York Times journalists up, I don't know, 10 years ago. And they asked for comments afterwards. And there I am at the time, you know, wearing a suit and a bow tie and all this. And indeed, and, and Wealth Matters columnist. And one of the comments, I was like, you know, I, I thought he was going to be really boring, but he is actually kind of funny. So, you know, <laughs> I'll take that. That's yeah, great. We agree with that guy. Um, yeah, this has been fun and funny. Thank, thank you so much for your time. It, it was yeah, a pleasure was. to talk with you again. And uh, we love what you're doing. And Thanks, if guys. we can encourage more guys to check it out, that's what we're going to be doing. So I, I, I appreciate this. It was great, you know, to be on. And, you know, uh, when you and I, Sean, talked the first time, I was like, I, I got to do this. And, and honestly, like, if you knew that, like, this is like, you know, dinner time. So I had to like negotiate to do this. Lead dads don't usually do stuff at uh -huh. this time of night, but it yeah. was it was worth it and it was awesome. And I'm grateful for you guys uh, showing some interest. So so thank you very much. Yeah, let's let's stay in touch. 
This is Chris. Thanks again for joining us on this episode of If You've Come This Far. And this is Sean. Remember to check us out at menliving.org. 